The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph podcast. I am Mike Stevens from Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News. And sitting across from me virtually is the one, the only future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm good. My body was attacked by an octopus, which is... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is literally my entire back and legs. They're, they're purple, like everywhere purple. But Do you want to clarify that you weren't actually attacked by an octopus <laughs> and you were... You, you just had cupping during physiotherapy instead because you just kind of glossed over that. Well, and I, feel I think like people if, might start if to if think. People know we live in Toronto. They also know that we don't live near anywhere that has octopi. Who knows? There could be some, there could be some experimental, experimental therapy, like octopus therapy. Octopus and you could have done, you know, who knows? Who yeah, knows? I had um, decompression cupping done. And um, my, I have a rule with my, like, therapists it's basically like you do what you have to i will scream and cry for like the hour or whatever that i am here but i'm gonna walk out of here feeling way better and usually i'm super sore the next day which is obviously today but like i slept so much better and i've been going through this like my whole life so the only thing i can't currently get is acupuncture because like the girl i used to go to moved to vancouver um, so like, that's a problem, but, um, it actually felt really good. Like I can, there were parts of my body that like, I literally just like couldn't bend. And now like, even though they're sore, like I can move. So my back definitely is not attractive. There will be no bikini photos, um, for another week, at least probably at least not the back part of me. So OnlyFans subscribers, just know that, you know, the next set, it's not going to come out for another couple weeks, okay? Yeah. Rachel's got yeah, exactly. to heal up. Noted OnlyFans participant, yeah. Rachel Dory, who literally wears men's sweatpants every day. <laughs> I always, I always, hey, so do I. But I also, like, man, if I, if I had the ability, if anyone would pay to see my body, I would be on OnlyFans right now. Like, I would have quit this podcast <laughs> and just gone... <laughs> We should instead of like Patreon or something, we should make this podcast on OnlyFans. Okay, like, I think we, I think we need there. to get back on the that rails. That would be hilarious. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We'd be pioneers. All right, but you, you, you all know what the biggest headline is. You, you all know what's going on here. Did something the happen? Tampa, Tampa Bay Lightning are back to back Stanley Cup champions. The classless Tampa Bay Lightning, back to back Stanley Cup champions, in the two toughest years possible. We lived through like it, A panini. it was hard enough. It was hard enough for us for you for me to li just live through this like to just get up every day and not you know comp like i have spent question seven thousand dollars on therapy in the last 18 months seven thousand <laughs> like i have not spent that much but it uh there's definitely be some dicey moments let's say but the uh the bolts they managed to win two they they, they haven't lost the stanley cup during this pandemic. It's remarkable. So congratulations to them. It's a very likable team. They have won team. eight straight series. Eight straight series. I think they only trailed once in those series. Like, 
from a games perspective, just an incredible hockey team, almost flawlessly built. Um, Tampa is a juggernaut. They really are <laughs> flawlessly built. Um, you know, all of their stars show up all the time. As I said, it was really nice to see the team in blue close out their 3-1 series lead at home. Um, it's something that I never thought we'd be able to see after this year. So it's very nice to know that that a team that wears blue is able to do that. I think this is going to get overlooked just because cup, like cup final and whatever, but like the Islanders pushed Tampa, who is clearly the best team in the league to the brink. Like I think what's going to get forgotten here is actually how good the Islanders are. Like everyone's going to say Montreal made the cup final. The Islanders took them to game seven and, and it had to be a one, nothing win that like that game could have gone either way. Like I watched that game. It could have gone either way. So like, the New York Islanders need to be given a ton of credit here because they are a fantastic hockey team. That's two years in a row. They've made it to the conference finals. They've pushed the repeat Stanley Cup champions to seven games. Like, that's a good hockey team, and uh, they deserve a ton of respect. You know what's not? You know who's not a good hockey team though? Uh, who? Montreal Canadiens. I. I don't know, man. I just think that this is... We're going to look back on this. You can show me whatever numbers you want. We're going to look back on this and realize that they were, like, maybe the luckiest team in recent years. Like, I I just keep thinking about this. Like, they... Top six centers just fell by the wayside. Every call went their way. You know, this is a team that lost more games. Yeah, the top six center thing falling by the wayside was it's pretty significant. Like that's That's they—they're not here. If but I also one of those. So a lot of people like and rightfully so crediting Carey Price because, (laughs) LOL, best player on their team. The other player that I think deserves a ton of credit is Philip Deneau because. Every series, regardless of of losing centers, he was tasked with shutting down the best center that that team had available. He shut down Matthews and Marner in in Series 1. He shut down Ehlers, Wheeler, um, Connor in Series 2 to the point where, like, it was a sweep. Uh, In Series 3, Mark Stone, invisible. Max Pacioretty, invisible. Series 4, even though Tampa won, Braden Point didn't have a a single point in the last four games. Like, do you know how hard that is to accomplish? Like, I think Philip Deneau deserves a ton of credit for his ability to basically say, listen, if you are going to beat us, it will not be when I am on the ice. You are going to need players like Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow and Patrick Maroon to score because while I am on the ice, Braden Point and Akita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos and Anthony Sorelli are not scoring. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. How difficult really is it to shut down Mitch Marner in the playoffs? Like, come on. It's difficult to shut down Austin Matthews. Like, I think, honestly, though, he deserves credit because you could say one series is luck, but to do it four series, like... That is pretty big, right? This is but his coming out party. Day, yeah, and he's getting a raise. Yep. 100%. Anyway, so Tampa won. Um, the NHL buyout window starts today. Exciting. I'm. This is... Okay, let, finally the hockey season's over. Oh I my think god, thank all, god. I'm so fucking tired. I am so hockeyed out, it's not even funny. Like, I, it, it was a chore to watch that game last night. And it ended up being a one nothing win, too. Like, the, like it, just, it was a chore. Finally, we can get to the more entertaining aspects of this, which is bios. The Seattle expansion draft is, being two weeks today is hilarious. Expansions, which is, like, 
it's it's amazing. So I can't wait to see this. The buyout window starts today. So far, no one's been bought out yet. But hey, this, it's coming. No, no, no. I it think... starts 24 hours after the cup final. So by the time everyone's hearing this podcast, oh, the buyout window will have started. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering. I was, I was wondering about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's starting. I was like, no, no wonder why no one's been bought out so far. Jeez Louise. Hasn't started yet. Hasn't yeah, started. Friday but by morning. the time you were listening to this. It will have it will have started. I wonder who's going to get bought out. Do you, uh, do you think? It, I, I guess think let's talk about that next podcast when it's happened because I just I'm I'm honestly like I'm so friggin' done with hockey that I haven't even paid attention to any of that because I legitimately don't care. Well, I right was gonna now. say I was gonna say. Do you think there's gonna like once it immediately starts? Do you think there's gonna be? Are there any like in the chamber that they're just gonna hit send on? I think I think Vancouver is gonna do some shit, but I of don't course. know what. I don't know what. Uh, so we'll see. The other thing is uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs of soccer internationally are it's in coming home. The in the final footy, um, and it was controversial. And now there's an investigation because on the winning goal, it has come to light that English fans have sh- shone a, like a very powerful laser in the goalkeeper's eye. What? Why yeah. is this not a bigger story? I haven't seen this anywhere. Oh, it's it's pretty big. The other thing, and like we're gonna get into this when we talk about Nikita Kucherov, but like all of the whining and bitching, like in soccer, they, they boo the other team's anthem. Like you want to talk about classless and disrespectful? How about that? So yeah, the there's an investigation being opened by UEFA um, because. There was a laser being shone into Casper Schmeichel's eyes during Harry Kane's penalty kick, which is, like, dangerous. Yeah, I haven't seen anything about this. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, but they're in the Euro final. They're playing Italy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if England won because home field advantage in soccer is just immense like there's going to be 70,000 people at Wembley Stadium for the final which is in London and probably like 65,000 of those will be English fans and like that's enormous um they're gonna have to contend Italy's lost their best um kind of wing back and he was huge he's one of their best players in the tournament um the officiating like is always when you're at home, it always positively impacts the home team. So there, Italy has a lot to contend with here. I definitely do think they're the more talented team. But if there is one team that can find a way to absolutely bungle being the favorites, it is England, similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I hate the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Like I don't. I, we're not going to talk about this forever. But last night, I don't like. You know how how despondent I was, you know, at, when they when they blew it. We record a podcast right after, and yet I don't think I was as angry then as I was last night watching the Lightning lift the cup because it kind of just dawned on me that like I don't think they're ever going to do this, and it just it's extremely frustrating. Like this is yep. a team that is built the right. We're going to talk about it. this is a team that is built the right. That's way. That's a deep dive. We're doing a deep dive on how just preposterously good the entire organization in Tampa Bay is. And like that, this like model, it's incredible. And I just think there's no, like even today, Travis Dermott signs a two year extension. And look, I think Travis Dermott's a fine hockey player, but it's for 1.5 million per. And I, and I know that he has arbitration rights that probably, uh, you know, that, that probably bumped it up a bit and he might not be protected. I don't know. But I look at a contract like that and I'm like, there's no way that should be that should be one point five million in in Tampa. 
a guy of Travis, a guy like Travis Dermott, who's playing Travis Dermott's role, who had Travis Dermott's season last year, is not making over a million dollars, let alone one point five. Um, I would disagree with that. In Tampa, they'd find a way to get him for like nine hundred thousand, or just do a barely, a, a just a smidge above what he did, what he had last year, because he he took he only got like a what it's like a ten thousand dollar raise from year to year, and it was like all right, but he's gonna break out, and he didn't have a good year last year, and it included one of the most adri- anyway. What I'm saying is these little contracts they add up. Tampa, I have no issue with the Travis Dermott contract at all. I don't. Not I don't. Zero. Okay. Well, I I don't like again. It's 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 death by paper cuts here. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let it ruin my day. But I and it's getting, not a bad contract at all. Like that's not gonna hurt the Leafs one bit. I don't think it's a bad contract, but I I think that if it, an organization and this is what separates it. This is my point. Is that an organ an organization what separates ta- a, a team like Tampa from the uh, from the Leafs. Is that they're able to get con- get guys like that for contracts that are far less than that? Like the Leafs, See, like that's. I we're not going lit- to. We're not litigating this right now, but they're like we can do this later in the summer when okay. you want to do a comparison. Well, I'm, but no, well, there's right, a distinct so. difference here. Uh, not necessarily. No. Well, I'm 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 right. I'm correct in this. So anyway, plot points. What's trending up? What is trending down in the world of hockey today? Trending up broke last night. Didn't even wait for the Stanley Cup to be uh, to be handed out. It broke last night. Stars requesting trades. Vladimir yes. Tarasenko, he wants out. This is a guy who's had three shoulder surgeries in the span of 28 months. The trust, And that's part of the reason that he's, that's basically the reason he's asked to be traded. Which is interesting given the Jack Eichel situation. Yeah, that in the in the captaincy apparently. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford broke this of the of the Athletic, uh, and he had a great piece just kind of outlining everything that's going on here. And yeah, Tarasenko, it's, it, look, he is a phenomenally talented hockey player. When healthy, the only problem hasn't been healthy for the last little bit, and he seems apparently he wants to go to a contender. And it's going to be tough because things that contenders don't have are cap space, right? And especially cap space to spend on a guy who might not be the same player that he once was, who has had, again, like I said, three different soldiers, shoulder surgeries in 28 months. So I think this is 30. This, this guy is Tarasenko uh, as one of the best shots in the league. Like, Oh, 100%. I, I've broken when I was in New Jersey, I actually broke down his wrist shot. Cause we had like just a bunch of other camera angles so I could see different things. Um, I broke down the fact that he could shoot with what we call dead wrists, which is essentially when you shoot a hockey puck, you think about it, you just make that motion in the air right now. What do your wrists do? They snap. Vladimir Tarasenko has the capability to shoot the puck without moving his wrists. I can't even tell you how ridiculous that is. Like there's maybe three people in the NHL that can do that. Maybe. Like it's, it's one of those things that's like exceedingly ridiculous to be able to do. Uh, he's got two years left at seven and a half, but his salary is actually higher. And I think Tarasenko is the type, given the injuries and the salary, he's the type of guy where he needs to go to a team that invests in the medical staff, that invests in that department that has that kind of money. Because um, if you can get him in a medical department, in a rehab system that that he feels empowered with and that he trusts and you can afford to pay um, over and above, like that could actually be a pretty good match there because I think similar, and I don't think he'll end up on the Leafs, but similar to what the Leafs did with Tyler Ennis, where he basically came here and was given all manner of help with the Leafs medical staff. I think if you can find a team that invests like that, I know, LOL, Tampa does this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you can find a team like that where they just have a really solid medical department, um, you could actually get this turned around and, and things will be fine. It's a shame that every team isn't like this. It's a shame that every team doesn't have a solid medical department or that they I mean, don't invest we, we a lot. We have some teams that don't even have like proper reporting structures. So mm-hmm. medical, but like you think about it now, Tarasenko's asked for a trade. Eichel's asked for a trade. Oliver Ekman Larson's asked for a trade. Seth Jones it, is going to be traded. The Kuznetsov situation is ugly. Johnny Gaudreau, like there's actual tangible stars. You've got one of the goalies in Vegas, whether it's Flurry or... Laner that's probably going to get moved like we're talking legitimate top end hockey players like Eichel first line center Seth Jones top pairing defenseman Kuznetsov first line center Goudreau probably top line winger Tarasenko when healthy top line winger like these are some seriously talented hockey players that are almost never available so I'm super interested to see what happens and I wonder if it's like do they get swapped like for like like is Eichel involved in a in a trade that involves Seth Jones or Johnny Gaudreau, it, like how how does something like that work? Because then at least you know you're getting a player of high value. But yeah, definitely trending up is is stars requesting trades, which we've seen in the uh, the NBA, and it's dope. I love player movement. Well, on top of on top of the the expansion draft and everything, like there, this is going to be such an entertaining offseason. Now, another thing here is that it was noted in 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 this is. T- um, St. Louis's medical staff dropped the ball here. Pretty bad. Like, Big did you time. read? Did you read the article? Yep. Yeah. I also, so, yeah, I spoke to a couple of people that that kind of know within that org, and yeah, they dropped they dropped the ball here. Like, they they're they're a big reason why he's getting out. Like, why he's wanting out now. One thing that really stuck that really uh, uh, caught my eye is I use this this example a lot. Um, missing things in initial. I guess in, in initial uh, treatments is a big deal for athletes. For example, the Washington football team, they had, the, he's now on, in San Francisco with the Washington football team. One of their, one of the best, if not the best offensive lineman in the league, Trent Williams, he was getting, he was getting treatment for, I think it was a neck thing. And they failed to, I believe the, the Washington football team's medical staff failed to recognize that he had a benign tumor on his head. What? Yes. And how, I, I don't know. And he straight up was like, I will never play another game for this team again. He sat out an entire year, eventually got traded to San Francisco. And hey, he's doing a great job you now. Know what but just, you know what I just remembered? What? You know who has a really good medical staff? Who? The, the Penguins. Hey, that'd be a good fit. I, um, I can definitely see that. Working. I remember when I was in Pittsburgh, uh, when I was in New Jersey, Ray was telling me and Chris Shiro, who's his son. Um, and Chris has gone through a ton of concussions. Uh, I remember like, Ray telling telling me that um, basically when Sid had those concussions and they were figured they he wasn't getting better and basically the Penguins gave Crosby carte blanche you can go see whoever you want to see you can get the opinions just keep our doctors in the loop the doctors encouraged him to like try different things so that they could figure out what was going on they took their time they never rushed him like he had full confidence that. Pittsburgh, like the doctors in Pittsburgh had what was best for him at heart. And look, he's still in Pittsburgh after some pretty significant injuries. The same goes with Malkin. Like, yeah, they might get hurt a lot, but these are players that take a ton of abuse. And let's face it, like that Crosby hit, that was dirty as hell. So like, it's not, it's not, that's not an indictment. But the fact that like, I remember Ray telling me like, 
the process and and how careful they were and how they made sure no stone was unturned like they they literally went to the ends of the earth for the, for their players just to make sure that they had the confidence and like they could do that i could see and what is friggin pittsburgh need wingers scoring like hey man what if you send jason zucker the other way or something like that like so there maybe there's something there but i just i just clicked yeah pittsburgh's medical staff at least from what i heard from ray and from chris here who had a ton of concussions as well they like chris had nothing but fantastic things to say about them yeah but one, one thing that was that was noted in that in that article is that in two different shoulder surgeries, the St. Louis medical and those surgeries were performed by blues doctors. The, the medical staff failed to find additional, like failed to uncover, I guess the right word, additional uh, shoulder damage, ligament damage in his shoulder um, that eventually caused him to leave the bubble in 2020, the, the NHL playoff bubble in 2020 early. And that third surgery that has now allowed him to play again, um, that was performed by third, uh, like a third party medical team, like a, one that is not team, not team related. So they, like they essentially drove him out. Like there, you can't, you yeah. can't perform for a team who you don't trust. And he doesn't trust if he were to, it doesn't, and not even with his shoulder. Like if he were to, you know, have a knee on knee, something like, how can you, how can you go into that locker room in the aftermath of that and trust that they're going to do what's best for your body? You can't. So I totally understand and respect this decision. Whether or not he's going to ever be the same player again is 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 definitely up for grabs. Like he's played what thirty six games or something in the last two years. It's it's really dicey. Yeah, I think it's unfair to say yes or no. I think if he gets with the right medical staff, the right team, absolutely a possibility. And hey, that, that whichever team is taking him, if they make a sizable sort of investment into the, that medical staff, like you say, they could be getting a fantastic player. And if he returns to his former glory, seven point five million, that's not too bad. You know, that's nothing. Um, also trending up Nikita Kucherov's I don't give a fuck per 60. Holy moly. Yeah, that man's I don't give a fucks per 60 is sky high. That was the best press conference I've ever seen. That's exactly exactly what the sport needs. I like, mean, it's the best hockey press conference I've ever seen. Yes, yes. That's what I meant. Like he that's exactly what the sport needs. And what I loved about it. Oh, is my he God. Is, it was like incredible. you say, he doesn't give a fuck. But like he just spoke his mind and and he spoke like we I speak. Love it. He spoke like he spoke like we speak. He spoke like a, he spoke like someone who just like wasn't on the record. And it was fantastic. He, as you said last episode, I'm going to use your term. He basically walked into that presser and helicopter dicked it. Thank you. He did. That is what he did. He literally went helicopter dick on that press conference. And you know what? If you went back to back cups and you have over 30 points when you're in Gretzky territory with that kind of stuff, you can do whatever type of helicopter dicking you want. So I did a piece for Sports Illustrated today about the top five quotes. And there were some that are not like there's some that are not people aren't picking up on. Like for one, a, a Zoom, a Zoom question was asked. And it wasn't properly like it didn't come through properly. And he just straight up was like, buy a new microphone. I can't hear you, which is. Well, they didn't even catch. um, They didn't even catch when he actually walked in the room like it wasn't even on camera. He walked in the room and said, are you ready for the main event? Like 
That is elite shit housery. I love it. But like he chirped the Vesna. He called Marc Andre Fleury like that guy okay, in yeah. Vegas. It, th- he, he, gave, he this is the exact sentence. They gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas. Vegas. Whatever the guy. And I said in that article, if Fleury was smart, he'd be mocking up whatever the guy in Vegas merch as we speak. Well, okay, right now. so here's the thing. And I was talking to my New Jersey like media counter like people about this. If you're Vegas, who is like the prime, like they do it right in Vegas when it comes to marketing and Tampa comes to town next year. If every if the if like the giveaway thing isn't a T-shirt that says that guy in Vegas, what are we doing? Well, if Flurry's even still there, that's the thing Because if he gets traded, you can't really capitalize on that. That's fair enough. Yeah. Now, um, the, the other thing is the big one was chirping Habs, the Habs and the Habs No, no, no. Fans. The big one was number one bullshit. Oh, well, number one bullshit. Like that should that should be. I wish we could make that the title of our podcast. Like that would be no, incredible. No, it is the title of the podcast. And but how? It's, we're swearing. Oh, because we're just going to put the star in the Oh, the true. Fantastic. Done with it. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, number one bullshit. You know what? People getting mad at Kucherov is number one bullshit because he took. Take it. Take this in for a second. So number one bullshit is actually Habib Nurmagomedov's line for him. And they're both Russian for Kucherov to be as hammered as he was. And he was destroyed like he was Ovechkin level hammered for him to just pop that off the top of his head in the middle of a press conference. Like you he's invested in that. He is absolutely invested in that. I love it. I'm so here for it. Number one bullshit. Oh my I god! I think that's. that's but my my favorite one was essentially like he he spoke extremely candidly about the Habs, and you know what the thing is, he wasn't wrong. That that yeah, third round, right. that third round was their final. No one was ever supposed to. They weren't even supposed to win a game against Vegas, and they ended up rendering them like you know complete offensive mess. Yeah, that was that that hundred percent should go down as their as their cup final or whatever because they had no chance against Tampa. We saw it, but I love it. This is exactly. What you should do. And you know what? The thing is, there aren't the only people that I see getting mad about this are Montreal Canadiens fans and Keith Olbermann. And that's it. Keith Olbermann it just yeah. threw a little little hissy fit up up there trying to trying to dunk on, you know, on Pierre Lebrun of all people. I don't I don't know. Of all people. Like I, I that that really confused me. Keith Olbermann is the most insufferable person on the goddamn planet, by the way. Like that guy, I don't give a shit what that guy has to say. But man, just it, Speak your mind and like like you if you win the Stanley Cup, especially back to back Stanley Cups, you can say whatever you want. You can talk as much shit as ever you want. That is well, here's that, the that's thing, the prize is. So the only people getting mad at this are Montreal Canadiens fans. Was it shithousery? It absolutely is. But like Elliot Friedman said, you can't say we want to see personality from players. And let's make this very clear. Personality is not anti-vax, Donald Trump, racist, yeah. homophobic stuff. No, well, we're, the personality we're talking about is this kind of stuff where you're not afraid to say, hey, my guy's the best and I believe he's the best. Like, you should absolutely be allowed to say that. So you you can't say we want players to be, like, show themselves, say how they feel more, but then get angry and call them classless when they do. Because you want to know what's classless? Montreal Canadiens fans sending death threats to Mikhail Sergachev's girlfriend. That's classless. Yeah, but yeah, like it's so like there's a huge difference. But the amount of Habs fans that are just like filling their diapers to the point that Jack Todd, yeah, made a good point that that's like, never happened what before. What are you doing? It's not even like he's Jack Todd is infinitely worse than than Grant McKegg. So 
And if Jack like, Todd is about, Steve Simmons. If yeah. you are considered, if Steve Simmons is considered correct and you are considered wrong on a take, literally just pack it up. Just pack it up. And another thing too is that, like, it, let's say the let's say the circumstances are reversed. Let's say the the it's the Habs that win the series. Oh my god, they'd be the te- most insufferable fan base of all time. Are you telling me that there is no way? Are you telling me that they would be going good game? Oh, what a what a fun! I'm just so glad both teams had fun. What a great! Don't you love sports? It's the magic of sports, and there's always always going to be the competitive. First no of way. all, can I just point something out? Uh, sure, go ahead. The same people that had an issue with Nikita Kucherov press conference are the same Habs fans that absolutely loved Philip Deneau just dinosaur chomping down pizza at press conferences as if it was a joke to him. Exactly. So here's the thing. Everyone's getting so angry about this. Hockey fans would absolutely shit themselves if they had to deal with what we see in soccer, specifically with guys like Jose Mourinho, who is like unbelievably successful, um, Sam Allardyce, like even Ka- so Casper Schmeichel, who is the goalkeeper for Denmark, the guy that got the laser shard in his eye. He was asked at his pre-match press conference, um, what do you think about this whole it's coming home thing? And he looked directly into the camera and said, has it ever come home? Like, have they ever even won? He deadass said that the day before the game. Are you kidding? Do you're you, like, you're finding a way to weasel a lot of soccer talk into this hockey oh podcast. Oh man, I, it's it's honestly because it's I just see them both happening at the same time. Like if Ronaldo Ronaldo there's been multiple times where he's walked up to the podium and said I am the best. That's it. Messi's done the same thing, right? Nikita Kucherov had every right yesterday to say I think Andre Vasilevsky should have won MVP. He had every right to say that yesterday and for him to be chirping like Habs fans my god like again in in soccer like they're booing the other national anthem you want to talk about classless like bro they're booing the other anthem that is classless yeah well Montreal you're losers so congratulations you lost the Stanley Cup also John Cooper's quote was elite and you will never make it back here I'm just let me look me in the eyes Montreal Canadiens fans you will never make it back here. This was your one shot, and you blew it. So congratulations. You are losers. And I'm saying this as Leafs fan. I'm a loser. Like, I, I'm, I'm, you, you cannot... Listen, unless you win the cup, you are a loser. Done. You cannot kill what is already dead, okay? <laughs> I, 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 hate, I hate my team. So th- there's nothing you can say that will hurt me. But let me tell you, looking deep into your soul, you are losers. You will always be losers. And you have ended this season losers so i'm glad that you so you can sleep well tonight knowing that you have not won anything that you've gone home hem, gone home empty-handed and now your team is stuck with an inept management group and an, and an inept coaching staff for the foreseeable future may god have mercy on your soul all right now before we hop into our deep dive word from our sponsor I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing 
And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. Tampa's pretty good, Rachel. I think, I think, yeah, they're, they, uh, are not bad. Dare I say, Tampa's pretty good. They're apparently they're good enough for John Cooper to stand there and chew gum. It's pretty. Which is that, that's one of the it. best that's, quotes ever. If anyone should have ever said that quote, it's Steve Kerr. Let me just put it that. Let's just say that right. Oh off man, that also, guy stands there and chews gum. Like, remember the press conference with Steph Curry, like jacked up a three with like eight seconds left of the shot clock, and Steve Kerr's like, "What are you doing?" Great shot, Steph. Good. Uh, well done. Yeah. yeah it's, he, he barely has to game plan. It's hilarious. Now, let's go through exactly what makes Tampa such a good team. What makes them the blueprint for team building moving forward. And I really hope, I sincerely hope, that in the copycat league that is the NHL, general managers look at Tampa and go, we need to, yeah. we need to replicate this. Because it's Look worked. at Tampa. Look at Colorado. Do that. Because Colorado's fantastic as well, and that's basically exactly what's been happening, is Colorado and Tampa are being built kind of like the same way. Uh, it starts at the top, which is owners that are willing to spend. And this dude, Jeff Vinnick, just spent $100 million this year on salary. Yeah. So you need an owner that's willing to do that. Huge credit to him. Absolutely, that's an owner that's completely invested. He deserves that success, 100%. Owners that aren't willing to spend to the cap, fuck out of here. Like, what's the point? Owners that aren't willing to spend to the cap, what's the point of owning a team? Like, go, just sell it at that point. You're not, yeah. like, what's the point? I, I liked that Ron Francis in his press conference, like, they, he was asked and he said, no, our owners gave us the green light to spend to the cap. Are we going to do it right away? We might not, which is smart because that means they're not just going to start willy-nilly capping everywhere. But do they have the green light? Of course they do. Why? Well, Frig, like, they have Jerry Bruckheimer in ownership. They got the light wikis, like, Yeah! There is no shortage of money there. So good for them. But let's get to management with Tampa because um, they have Sergeant Horatio Kane as in their ownership group. Lieutenant. Sorry, Lieutenant. Lieutenant Horatio Kane. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rachel. Um, Okay, so management with Tampa. Um, First of all, I'm going to point out just right quick. Julian Breezebois and John Cooper are both lawyers. Uh, None of them played a high level of hockey. Scotty Bowman also did not play in the NHL. I have as many games played in the NHL as all three of those men combined. 
And this kind of goes to show uh, you do not have to play in the NHL to have success, because I think we can all agree that Tampa is very successful and uh, did not require NHL talent in their front office to do that. Almost every dumb analyst on TV has played in the NHL before. Let's just put it that way. Except Ray and Mike. They are very smart. Except Ray and Mike. But (laughs) most, like... Think about all the dumb analysts we talk about. Jeremy Roenick, you know, Keith, like Keith oh, Jones. Cool. And yeah, Mike old, Milbury was an analyst on TV until yesterday. So Mike Milbury, you know, even like it, when it comes to coaching, Pierre Maguire, like all like they all used to play Dave Poulin, all the dumbest analysts in, in the league used to, or in the in the sport used to play in the NHL. And that go that that you know what that gives you in management? jack shit we just like you said we just saw a a management group and a coaching staff filled with people who've never played before when essentially create a mini dynasty so okay but it does need to be pointed out there is a man who probably isn't getting any cup rings out of this that that does deserve a lot of credit marion gabrick no because he's on their books and he helped them get closer to ltir no okay uh the man who was responsible for building a big chunk of this team is it steve yazerman it is steve yazerman Okay, that's um, good. Thanks, but I time. also think Steve Eiserman is the exception to the rule in that he is he was a fantastic hockey player. He also bided his time, learned, mm-hmm. went up the ladder, and has clearly demonstrated he knows what he's doing. This like, this wouldn't be possible without him. Very clearly demonstrated. He know he knows what he's doing. So it starts there, right? Then he leaves, he goes to Detroit. That's where he wanted to be. Fair enough. Right. But he absolutely deserves some credit here because he was a big part in this. Um, now we get to Julian Brisebois. But let's do this. Drafting and development. What do you need to have success? You need to have good drafting and development, which means you need to have what? You need to have an investment in your development staff. You need to and have scouting staff. A, an unbelievable scouting staff. And they have Al Murray heading up their scouting department. And that guy is on point. He is probably him, Al Hipple, Judd Brackett, probably the best head scouts in in the league. Like we're talking elite stuff here. Um, Al Hipple is the guy that just got hired in Arizona. He used to be the director of scouting for the Avalanche, who have notoriously drafted well. Um, but drafting, okay. So who have they drafted? Obviously, they drafted. We're not giving you credit for your first round pick. So like Stamkos, yeah. you don't get. Like, you don't get that. You don't get Victor Hedman. You, you don't get Andre Vasilevsky. Here's what you do get, though. Nikita Kucherov in the second round. Braden Point in the third round. Andre Palat in the seventh round. Incredible. Where'd they get Yanni Gord? Uh, he was an unsigned, or an undrafted signing. Yeah. Incredible. Um, Tyler Johnson, undrafted signing. Anthony yep. Sorelli, I believe, was the third round. Alex Kalorn was a mid-round pick as well. Uh, Mitchell Stevens, I believe he didn't even play. So that's irrelevant. Matthew Joseph was a mid round pick. Um, Ross Colton was a mid round pick. Okay. There are you sensing uh, a trend here? Listeners? I'm sensing a trend. Okay. So almost all of their high end forwards were drafted by and developed. Let's point out mm. and developed On because the Syracuse you crunch? do not. Yeah. Like you do not. Um, get guys like Anthony Sorelli and Braden Point and Andre Pallant and Yanni Gordon, Tyler Johnson, and even to a degree Nikita Kucherov, who played in the AHL, playing the way they do without a, a very good development system. So well done there. They, they've done just an unbelievable job. Now, like I say, you got to find undrafted gems. Okay, Yanni Gord, got him. Tyler Johnson, got him. 
Um, Alex Barboulet hasn't played yet. He's going to be a gem for them. Um, like it's it's one of those things where like, you you just need those kind of guys. Okay, very good. Now we've covered that part. Now, uh, shrewd trades. Oh so, yeah. Here, do you want? Can I read you? Um, who Tampa tr- has traded for that they won the Stanley Cup with? It is. Fucked. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, go go ahead. Hit me. Okay. Barclay Goudreau traded yep. for. Blake Coleman. That worked out nicely. Um, Traded for. Ryan McDonough, Mikhail Sergachev, Eric Cernak, uh, and David Savard all traded for. And you know what's funny, too? That they is got- five of the top six defensemen, and then the other one is Victor Hedman. What's funny as well is that they traded... Who did they get Sergachev from? Montreal. Exactly. And who did McDonough originally play uh, play for before he was traded to the Rangers, who then gave him to uh, the Lightning? Um, Montreal. Yeah. Do you think they Not might... Great. think they might have uh, had fared a little better in this series if they had... So you know, you know what two... that tells me? Is Montreal knows how to scout. They clearly know how to identify talent. If you can identify McDonough, you can identify uh, Sergachev. You can, like, yeah, you got Caulfield when you got him. Nick Suzuki. Well, no, they traded for Nick Suzuki. Um, but that tells me Montreal knows how to draft. They can identify talent. But they can't identify <laughs> that, you know, Alexander Romanov is a better fit to be on their back end than, than Joel you know, John, fucking Edmondson. Or John Merrill. Or, uh, you know? No, sorry, not Joel. Uh, Eric Gustafson. Eric Gustafson or John Merrill. You know, like Why it just, do I keep getting those two confused? That and this is I mean Edmondson Gustafson, probably that. Yeah, and it goes back to back to the Leafs here with me is that they lost when Montreal was playing with one hand behind their back. Ah, fuck that team so hard. Anyway, yes, this was the they and the thing is too, here's a, a, a Also coming through the pipeline, hang on. Not even oh, yeah. done. Mitchell Stevens coming through the pipeline. Okay, Alex Bareboulet, we just covered that. He's coming through the pipeline. Ross Colton, like, just started playing. He's coming through the pipeline. Oh, let's uh, let's look down the list here. Gabriel Forte coming through the pipeline. Alexi Lepanov coming through the pipeline. Uh, Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk. Um, they've, they're pretty thin on the back end, I'm not going to lie. Uh, oh, my God. In goal. Even as if they don't have Andre Vasilevsky, Hugo Alnafeld, and Amir Miftahov. I've never heard of either of those players. I'm gonna be honest. Um, th- both of those, both of those goalies, um, were top goalies in the World Juniors for their respective countries in the past couple of years. What are the What are the countries? Russia and Sweden. Incredible. Those are two yeah. pretty pretty prominent. I remember. And- so I was in New Jersey in Alnafeld's draft year, and I remember we were big fans. Like our goalie guy was a huge fan of all NFL. And if they if they don't end up using either of those, they're great trade chips, and we all know that they're pretty good at trading. Like it just it works out so well for them. And the thing with their the thing with their trades too is they knew who to ante up for. That's what really surprised me is they yeah, knew yeah ante up for David Savard very ante up. But like even like the they knew who to ante up for. They knew that you know was getting was a first for Barkley Goudreau a bit of an overpayment maybe in oh a, in it a, was. It, yes, absolutely. But they knew that he was someone who fit their team. He knew he knew ex- they knew that that was worth it for the value they was they were going to give him or he was going to give them in that in that spot. Blake Coleman trading a first round oh. pick for, like they traded they 
They're, they traded Nolan Foot and a conditional first round pick, which turned out to be Shakir Muhammad Doolin. Yeah, which is ridiculous. And <laughs> that doesn't even count. Very rarely do you see teams who trade like first round picks and go in for the big rental, you know, or whatever, like actually win the cup. But they, they, they did, did it three times. They, three times. Goodrow, Coleman, Savard. And their management is so good that they were $18 million over the cap and they found a way to add David Savard. So that's the fourth um, thing. So we've talked about drafting development. We've talked about finding undrafted gems. We've talked about shrewd trades. The fourth one is you need to be able to finagle and find the salary cap loopholes. There are three guys in the league that I know to be very good at this. The guy in Tampa, the guy on the Islanders, and the guy in Toronto. Now, particularly the guy on the Islanders, Steve Pellegrini, and the guy in Toronto, Brandon Pridham. Why are they so good at it? They fucking wrote the cap. So uh, they know where all of the loopholes are. Um, But here's the thing, is... Is it was it was it absolute nonsense? Like, yeah, it was. But here, like, uh, Chicago won the cup when they in the shortened season in 2013 when they stashed uh, Kane on LTIR and brought him back first game of the playoffs, and that allowed them to keep, I believe, it was Hosa and sawed around it was something to that effect and then he came back and and they won and I think he won the Con Smythe that year. Yeah, so it's like, in the rule book. Man, you know what? If the NHL wanted to close this loophole, they, they would. would have closed it. Already. And so they haven't closed it. And you know what? If you want to be successful, my stepdad always says this. And he is a Richard. So if anybody wanted the Habs to win, probably him. Um, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Right? So Tampa knew this was a loophole. Is it in the quote-unquote spirit of the rule? You know what? That could be debated. But at the end of the day, by the letter of the law, it is allowed. And Tampa just has the guts to do it. You, do you? Are you going to tell me for a single second that if Edmonton sat out Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl for the entirety of the season that they would have made the playoffs? Not a chance. No, absolutely. Here's the thing. Any, Tampa like, can Tampa is so well built that they can afford to sit out Nikita Kucherov mm-hmm. for the entire regular season and be like, yeah, it's fine because we're still going to make the playoffs. When you're that well built that your best player can sit out for the entire season, that's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it, it is ridiculous. And the thing is, too, is any players or fans or whatever who are pissed that, you know, oh, it's not fair. Tampa was, you know, $18 million over the salary cap. This is so this is bullshit. You know, who you should direct that anger to your owners for not find for not finding the, the like you should be questioning why they weren't going to do it themselves. Or not even just the owners. You should be directing that at your management group, because I know this to be true. There are general managers in front offices that's like, well, we can't do that because they, they, that, that breaks the code. You know what the fucking code oh, is? Winning the, the Stanley Cup. Uh, That's what the code is. Like winning, oh winning this. Like the, the general manager of the year is not the general manager of the year. No. Do you know that the general manager of the year is the guy who raises the cup? It's a popularity and, contest. Oh, that's totally. And even Friedman speculated prom king. that it's prom that king and queen. People, people have speculated that the reason Breezebot didn't win GM of the Year is because other GMs didn't like the cap shenanigans. You know what? If you, you can do it, too. You can do it, too. You're allowed to. Yeah. Like you it's just got to be that good. You got to. You, you need to hire smart people, which probably means stop hiring former players and start hiring lawyers and accountants. 
Or you need to be able to go to your owner and say, hey, look what these other teams are doing. Like, literally, if I was if I was in any I'm trying to like not Arizona. Watch Colorado do this next year. They're going to do it. I'm not like maybe not Arizona because I don't think they fiscally Uh, have have the funds. But like any other team, you just go and, and go, hey, no reason Montreal can't do it. Look at what look at what just happened in Tampa. They were 18 million dollars over the salary cap. They were running out like 100 million dollars worth of players. And they just won two straight Stanley Cups. I mean, why are we not doing this? Like, do you want to win? Yeah. And and if the owner goes, ah, no, I don't, like, I don't think so or whatever, then like, then they should sell the team because you're not in it to win it. Like, what is, don't own a hockey team. It's like, don't own a, don't, if, if you're, if you're in Toronto, like if you live in, in friggin' Alaska, there's no reason to have a Ferrari because you can't drive it anywhere. You <laughs> know, honestly, so what's the point? I'm just going to be the person to say this, having the privilege to have lived in Germany if you live in Canada or you or the U.S. or like North America, like don't bother owning Ferrari, McLaren, Lamborghini, <laughs> any of that because you can't drive it. And I don't know how many people know this when those car manufacturers, like the ones I named in Maserati, like those ones, when they ship the cars over, they actually tune them down before they ship them over here because legally they're not allowed to be tuned to the level that they are in Europe. So if if you're going to live here, there is literally no point in having a car of that caliber because you can't use it. Why am I going to drive a Ferrari 120 kilometers an hour? Why would I do that? So that's the point. That's what I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is that yeah. if, you, if you're the owner of a hockey team it's, it, and, and you're not willing to spend to the cap, like what? That you're, it's you're the equivalent of owning a Ferrari in Canada. Yeah, like you're never like you're not using this asset that you have to its highest potential. And for that reason, you shouldn't have it or you should give it to someone who will like it's, you know, and that just might be the communist in me. I don't know. But it's it's absurd. All right. Let's go to the, the second part. Coaches. Yes. Uh, John Cooper. Incredible. I mean, I don't I don't even think this can be debated. Like he to me, Barry Trotz, him like best best coaches in the NHL. Yes. And and you know what's crazy is again, that guy is a criminal defense lawyer. Like if he really wanted to, he could have coached the Lightning to the Stanley Cup on Wednesday night and have been in court on Thursday if he really wanted to. Like he's he's that qualified. Like imagine being that good at two things. There I, I'm a, not even that good at one thing. There was a feature, I forget where I saw it. But they were asking, like, judges that had been on cases that Cooper was involved with. And they all basically, like, to a man said, like, this guy's one of the best, most convincing guys I've ever had in a courtroom. So he's unbelievable at his job. So uh, as a, as as a, a motivator, lawyer, as someone who can, make, who can make people buy into a collective vision. If you that's can, the, let me tell you, yeah. if you can get a criminal to if you can sell a criminal on taking a plea bargain you can probably sell a hockey player on buying into your system or if you can sell if you can sell a jury on on exactly. being lenient towards a criminal you could probably get like steven sam goes and brain point nikita kucherov to buy into your system but then but then for him to come out and be like i just stand there and chew gum like sir you do not stand there and chew gum i mean he does but he does more than that I'm 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 certain he stands there and chews gum at the same time, but I but feel he like there's a little. Do that. I feel yeah, I feel like there's a little more involved in the whole coaching process here. It's so funny that happened, and my close friend texted me, and uh, and goes, 
if John Cooper wants to come and my close friends at least fan, John Cooper wants to come and stand on the bench and chew gum in Toronto, he is more than welcome to. So it's I'm funny. Like, how you, many how many Leafs fans feel that way? Like I you, wonder. Well, you texted me. Would you trade one for one? Would you trade Mitch Marner for John Cooper? I said no because I don't yeah. think I, I don't was, think you trade I wanted a coach to see how mad you were. <laughs> but I and and this is coming from someone you who thought about it. Loathes. Oh, I yeah. I I like I I I genuinely thought about it. I was like, hmm. You know what? I what weighed you, the pros and cons. If, if John Cooper said, like, you're a Leafs fan, so now I get to ask you. Okay? Mm-hmm. John Cooper says, I'll resign from Tampa Bay and I will come and coach Toronto. I want $8 million in salary. Do you sign that check tomorrow? Absolutely. 10? Yeah, hey, if, if, if John Gruden's going to get it, then I think John Cooper should get it. Because John Gruden is not worth that. So... Yeah, no, man, but that's whatever. what I'm saying. Like, like, wait, is it coming this, out of my pockets or is it coming out of MLS's pockets? No, like if, pockets? if if John Cooper, like you're a Leafs fan and you hear, okay, Cooper's willing to leave Tampa and come to Toronto, but Larry Tannenbaum's got to pay him ten million bucks. That's oh, it. Yeah, that's I don't all. Give a shit. With. There's no salary cap for coaches. Yeah, it, yeah. Be, if Tannenbaum like, didn't pay that, then I then I'd be storming the castle. I don't know when John Cooper's contract is up, but that man is getting a raise, and he is not paying for a drink in Tampa ever again. No way. No, no. way. How long is his leave? Like, what does he have to do to get fired? Because remember when they got swept by Columbus, and people were like, "Oh my God, is Cooper going to get fired?" How long is the leash now? You know what? I don't know though because you th- actually. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty long, but at the same time, there is, it's weird. Things can change like that in hockey, you know? Yeah, like it's, I think it, at minimum, it's three, he has at least three years of leash. Yeah, like, like he has three years of like really disappointing results before they, before they start to ask the question, before they start like to go he has like. three years of first round losses. Like, or like if they, even if they, they go like first round, miss the playoffs first round or something like that, then like it takes three maybe. years for, for the media to start asking, is Cooper the right man for the job? But, like, right now, okay, we're both Canadian. Like, we can be biased about we this. We are, eh? We are. Uh, if they give you anybody but Cooper for the coach of the Canadian Olympic team, how angry are you? I'm furious. There's no There's no one else that deserves it like, more than there's him. There's literally... The, the, the coaching staff starts with John Cooper and Barry Trotz, and then you just add a third. That would be, that would be like, like... You just add the third. That would be like not selecting a rookie Sidney Crosby to go in 2006. You know, that, that would, would be, be like adding uh, Nick Suzuki to the Olympic team based on his performance in the last oh 20 my, games, which is oh very dumb. God. And we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, he was, he was, oh he, God, it's so bad. He was mini Patrice Bergeron though. So many that I Honestly, couldn't though, see Honestly though, I will him. say this. Nick Suzuki, you know what? He was fantastic in the playoffs. If he has leading up to the selection of the Olympic team, if he is as good as he was in the playoffs, I think he'll be in the conversation, but you're not making a decision on like you're not cutting Matthew Barzell to take no. Nick Suzuki right now. That's stupid. Anyways, but I think John Cooper, like, he clearly empowers his players to be the best. You could tell in the way they were hugging him and, and they how love they him. they love like, him. Like and Barkley Goodrow laying into a one hundred and six mile an hour Shea Weber shot, like ow. And he like when you think about the personalities in that locker room. Think about the number of superstars in Tampa. You've got, and and of different backgrounds, right? You've got two Russians in Vasilevsky and Kucherov. You've got a Sweden headman. You've got a couple Canadians in Stamkos and Point. Like, we're talking different backgrounds. Now, it's so clear that John Cooper has them all on the same page, all pulling towards the greater, mm-hmm. like, has them understanding that they are better than the sum of their parts. And that is what a team is like. That is 
when you can get stars of that caliber, because we know stars can be selfish, but if you can get them all on the same page, all playing towards one common goal and playing outside of themselves so that they know they've got more to give and, and, and they're working towards a collective thing, like that takes a lot to be able to do. And so, I mean, John Cooper and his entire coaching staff, like whether it's, uh, I mean, it's Jeff Halpern, Franz uh, Jean, who's the goalie coach, Derek Lalonde, like, I mean, they're a men. Like, these are a bunch of elite coaches. And then we get down to the players. Yes. So, um, remember how we talked about how, like, Philip Deneau, like, shut down the top end? He did. So, I think it's, like, I've been thinking about this quite a bit just as I'm, like, doing my master's and stuff. And it's something I definitely want to, like, look into more in-depth. I've already looked into it, but, like, I want to do, like, a full-blown, like, in-depth thing on it. And maybe it's more of a not like a PhD thing, but maybe it's just like a special project kind of thing. I wonder if, let's say like, obviously your stars being your stars is super important. Yes. But I think a guy like Philip Deneau shows, like he has the capability of, of shutting those down. But when you look at it and you look at Tampa's depth, particularly that third line with Gaudreau, Gordon, Coleman, like one, that's the best third. That's a second line on pretty much any. That's inc- that's such an incredible. Right? So I think yeah. when you look at it, if the stars balance out each other, it, then you look at the depth. Like Alex Kalorn went out of the lineup and they put Matthew Joseph in and it you couldn't even tell. Yeah. Like to have that level of depth. And I think the third line was clearly the difference maker in this series. Um, it was clearly a difference maker for Tampa through the season it was a difference maker all throughout the playoffs like when you look like Coleman scored uh Goodrow I believe scored Gore definitely scored like and they're a menace to play against like John Cooper said it best nobody wants to play against them and like I had Coleman in New Jersey like you know I watched this guy every night and I remember thinking to myself like back then and I actually have I went back I can't believe I found it but I found a notebook um, of when I was in New Jersey, and it was basically all the thoughts and shit that was going down at the time. But like, I also had like just thoughts of like on different players and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember just I was flipping through it the other day when I found it, and one of the things I had written down was Blake Coleman is going to explode within the next three years. Nostradamus and, over here. Well, I had some that I was wrong on, but like. I just remember well, wait, getting wait, this feeling. Wait, what were you wrong on? What were you wrong on? Uh, Will it? Butcher. I was oh, wrong really? on Will Butcher. Okay. Yeah. Wow. The one time Rachel's been wrong. You heard it here, folks. You found it. Um, I was wrong on Will Butcher. Um, and I was right with Blackwood, but I w- and I was definitely right with Blake Coleman. Um, but the way that guy plays, like he's got just such an immense amount of skill, but the what he's willing to do to win. Like, there were multiple times this guy would just, like, launch his body, whether it was, like, in the middle of a shooting lane or, like, launching his body at a guy and taking a hit to make the play, getting absolutely wrecked. Like, he's... When you have guys like that at the bottom end of your lineup, it and they, they bring that energy, it, it kind of bleeds through the lineup. And so I think depth makes a huge difference here, right? You look at some of the other third lines, like... They're not nearly as good. No way. This right? is this is a top six line. Absolutely. And so, 
when you have, if Philip Deneau manages to shut down Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Steven Stamkos, well, he can't shut down, because he can't play 60 minutes, he can't shut down everyone. And so eventually, like being able to put out a line like that where you know they give up nothing defensively, they um, can chip in offensively, but you know they're just an absolute menace to play against. Like I think that's massive. And and so kudos to that because you've got you've got I mean all of those players none of them were drafted you got you gave up first round picks for two of them and then you signed Yanni Gord right and then you've got Andre Vasilevsky who I mean dating back to last season five straight series that he's pitched a shutout in the series clinching game that's fucked that's remarkable that's remarkable my dad said it best my dad was a goalie um and he said that's Ken Dryden territory Ken Dryden territory. Like that, that's pretty rarefied air. In the playoffs, like we can talk about Wah, Hashik, Broder, but in the playoffs, Ken Dryden territory is a different animal. Like we're that is special. And he absolutely deserved that con smite. He was unbelievable throughout the entire run. Um and then the other thing, your stars gotta be your stars. Hey man. Like I said on this podcast, you've said it too. If you make fuck you money, you make over seven million bucks, mm-hmm. you better perform. Nikita Kucherov, I don't think we can argue about that one when you're in Gretzky territory. Uh, Braden Point is definitely not going to be argued about, and he makes six, seven, five, but also that uh, is going to change next year. Uh, Steven Stamkos, eight, five. Victor Hedman, I mean, he's only seven, eight, five. Ryan McDonough's only six, seven. Like, we're talking, you're getting bang for your buck on every single one of those deals. Like, Nikita Kucherov only makes 9-5. I'd give him 11. Oh, easy. Right? So, I think you need, even at the top end of your lineup, like, it's super clear that Goodrow, Gord, Coleman, um, Matthew Joseph, um, Anthony Sorelli, like, they're all playing above or at their their value. But Nikita yeah. Kucherov, is he, would you pay him, let's, Mike, you're running a hockey team. Yeah. Bad choice. Would you, would but okay. You, would you pay Nikita Kucherov 9 5? Uh, yeah. Would you pay Steven Samkos 8 5? Uh, maybe not current Steven Samkos. Right, but like over the grand scheme of things. Yes, like for yes, what he's yes. done, 8 5. Okay, fine. So that might be the only one. Would you pay Braden Point 6.75? I would. Probably be, double I, that. I would <laughs> helicopter dick if I was able to pay Braden Point 6. Okay, so let's say he's an RFA next year. Um, let's say the number's 10. Would you pay him 10? Easy. 10. If he, okay, Rachel, look me look me in the eyes. If he doesn't make more than Mitch Marner, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> he's not mind. going to. He's not I know, going and I am, going to, I am going to have a mental break when this man, Braden Point, who is now two-time Stanley Cup winner, Braden Point, does not make more than Mitch Marner. I am going to have a mental breakdown on this podcast. So John Cooper also said something interesting last night, which is um, Andre Pollat's super underappreciated because if he plays with Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, and if he were to take Andre Pollat off that line, Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov would be in his office demanding that he be put back on their line. He makes $5.3 million. I think that's a bit of an overpay, but if he brings the element that Point and Kucherov need, then $5.3 million it will be. Incredible. Right? Okay, uh, Yanni Gord, 5.1 million. I think I would pay for that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I Tyler, think fi- Yanni Gord Tyler 5.1, Johnson yeah. is a no. No, Tyler, Tyler Johnson, Johnson is the only bad contract they have, and it's not even that bad. Like, it's 5 well, no, million. Alex Kaloran 4.45 isn't great either. But yeah, that'll but that end guy, up on LTIR. And also that guy, yeah, it will end up on LTIR because he broke his, what, fibula or yeah, like, but he also okay. So this is where it hurts them. He tried. He said he was going to try and play. You can't say no. like I need yeah. to go on LTIR for an entire season after trying to play in the Cup final. Like that's not going to fly. Um, Anthony Sorelli, four point eight million dollars. What? That's a steal. Like they that's they just disgusting. have so many good deals. Now there's going to be a lot of turnover with this team next year. But yeah, even like I still- think you're, they're losing. So Tyler Johnson's gone. Coleman's gone. Uh, Goodrow will, will be, be on gone. LTIR. Kalorn, uh, if not. Yeah, like something like that. I mean, you're keeping Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Cernak. That's all you need. That's that's Eric all you need. Cernak is making two point five nine million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. That's all you need. Oh like my it's, god! Like think about even, David Savard is gone. Obviously, yeah. But people are saying this team is gonna get stripped, and like, yeah. But the but the studs are still gonna be in place. Like, yeah, you're stripping out all the you know like you know the good. Oh, here's one. Um, the good paneling and stuff in a nice kitchen, but you still have like the the stainless steel appliances all around. You still have good bones to work with, right? And you have Bear Boulet and guys that are coming up that are ready to rock, right? So that's Tampa. I mean, that's it, top to bottom, owners down to players, everybody absolutely fantastic. Um, like there's not much to say. They absolutely deserve this. Is there going to be a ton of turnover? Yeah, there will be, but. They got two Stanley Cups out of it, and Andre Vasilevsky and Nikita Kucherov and Stamkos, and, and they're going to keep Braden Point. They'll be locked up till the end of time, and and so the core of this team is still going to be there, and and they're going to be a very tough to deal with. And I think we've sort of reached the yeah. conclusion of the pod. Well, just like how the season, the regular season, and the playoffs are now over, so is this podcast. By the before we sign off, just want to say thank you for following along with us this whole season. It's been it's been it's been quite the trip. You've 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 stuck with us through it all, and it's been fantastic. Um, yes, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Staff Graphic. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory. Me on Twitter at Mikey Stevens eighty one. You can find uh, the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on you know Google Play, any podcatcher under the sun. Uh, find our merch on Redbubble, Redbubble.com/slash/staffandgraphshop. And uh, give us a nice review. We love the positive reviews. If it's going to be a negative one, at least make it entertaining so we can clown on you for being a dweeb. Rachel, before we sign off here, and I eat the Chipotle that just arrived at my door, would you like to leave our beautiful listeners with anything? Wear a mask, get vaccinated, and take a break from hockey. Amen, sister. Okay, we will see you on Tuesday.